Amen. It's great to be here with you. And uh, man, we're here. We're launching a new sermon series this morning. Can you believe we're already one full sermon series through this fall? And it's amazing what God has been doing in this place. Back in September, the first week of September, we actually launched uh, this, this sermon series and we launched our new name, Summit Point Church. And uh, going after what it means to be Summit Point Church, a place to belong pursue and experience our living God. And so all of the last series was about how do we experience our God on a daily, regular basis? In what ways, shapes, and forms can we taste and see that the Lord is good? And that was the last series, that series called uh, Summit Life. And now we're talking this series about, so how do we go about doing that on a day-to-day basis in a way where that's assured, like what things do we need to elevate as our values? And so this series called Summit Values, Summit Values. I don't know if you noticed this, but when you came in in September, we actually had some four aluminum plaques up on the wall out there that were called our pillars, and we took those down for that period of time as we were kind of rearranging the wall and getting set for this values that we wanted to talk about. And so instead of four pillars, we're going to have six core values. I'm letting you in on a secret though. Four of the six are exactly the same. Okay. It's the same thing. We're the same church. We're going after it the same way. We're excited to be going after that. And so we've taken the four pillars and we've added two pieces to it that we are very serious about and have been since the beginning around here. And so we're just lumping them all together and calling them our core values. All right. Our core values. So the six of them, real quickly, uh, we preach boldly. We will always take the Word of God every week and go through a portion. We will say, this is what the Word of God says, and we will get real about doing what God's Word says. And if it means we have to change, then we have to change. May God get all the glory. We preach boldly, and all of God's people said. We worship authentically. We worship authentically, like we bring it every week, making much of Jesus Christ and celebrating God Almighty and all that he is in our lives. Bring it in a real passionate way. We pray dependently. Lord, I'm leaning on you. I'm counting on you. We pray dependently. I am longing for you to do a work and I'm letting you and your will lead the way. We witness courageously. Witness courageously. We share of our faith boldly. Not brashly, not harshly, not rudely, but boldly, confidently, courageously as we step out and let people know. We witness courageously. And then the two new ones, we gather purposefully. We gather purposefully. Man, we get together, iron sharpening iron. We pray for one another. We have accountability with each other. We long for God to do a work. That's our impact groups. We've been doing it for the, since the beginning around here. We gather purposefully and we long for God to do a work. And then our last one is we plant strategically. We plant strategically. We're excited to be able to plant churches when God so sees fit in the area that God so sees fit with the people that God so sees fit. And we long for God to be leading that. This is not a moment where we beat our chest and say, hey, let's go plant a church so we look cool. Everybody say, not that. But where God's moving and where God's stirring and when God wants a church planted, Lord, may we recognize that, see that, and get that planted in all for your glory. And we've been uh, a part of planting eight or nine churches over the years here. Praise God for that. So those are our 
values that we're going to walk through. And we're going to walk through each one of those uh, throughout the weeks here, one per week, all right? So today is uh, preach boldly. What does that mean? How do we go about it? And how does it work in our lives? We preach boldly. How do we let that be true in each of our lives? So here we go. Turn with me, if you will, to to Nehemiah chapter 8, starting in verse 1. Nehemiah chapter 8. It's like right before the psalm. So if you like split your Bible, if you just open it up right in the middle, it's going to be a little before the middle. It goes Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, Psalms, right? So it's just a little before the middle. Get to Nehemiah chapter 8, and uh, we're going to do a little bit there. So here we go. How do we handle this preaching boldly? Well, first, let's understand this. Preach boldly. It means proclaiming the truth of God clearly and practically. Proclaiming the truth of God clearly and and practically. So we're longing to be able to get a clear understanding of God's word and a practical application of God's word. So point number one, allow the Holy Spirit to lead in timing and content. Allow the Holy Spirit to lead in timing and content. You do not preach boldly by having a great speech. You preach boldly by letting the Holy Spirit lead over it all. And so we allow the Holy Spirit to lead both in timing and content. That goes for both me who's developing the sermon and for you who's talking about getting the family here and being ready to rock. And Lord, I'm longing for you to stir in our family and get us set and prepped so that you can do an awesome work as we hear from your word. May we respond to you. Allow the Holy Spirit to lead in timing and content. As we dive in here in Nehemiah chapter 8, we just have to make sure that we grasp a little of what's going on, lay of the land, all right? So this is actually uh, quite a ways after some of the stuff we were talking about in the prior series. So you've got Abraham and Isaac, right? And he was promised to have this offspring, this nation that would come from him. Some four or five hundred years later, you have Israel as slaves. They're in Egypt. Moses is a part of helping them break out of there. God giving some plagues, they get released, Right? And so now the nation of Israel is released with a little bit of wandering. They come into their promised land and they're there for a while. And they're like, you know what? We feel a little bizarre. Everybody else has their their own physical human king. And when they ask us about our king, we have to keep pointing up and saying we have a spiritual God who's in charge and uh, he's our king. And we want a real physical king. And God's like, you don't want that. And they're like, no, we really do. You know, whenever we start telling God that he's wrong, everybody say that's a terrible plan. And it really went sideways on them as they brought in human kings. God saying, fine, I'll bring that in, but I'm telling you it's not going to go well. And human kings now starting to take over. It didn't take long until everything unwound. In fact, the nation of Israel, 12 tribes, got split. Two tribes to the south, 10 to the north. They split into two. There was the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And as they brought in humanity, split occurred. And then worse than that, not just split, but the two kingdoms started getting very self-absorbed. And then there was some uh, basically unwinding of the nations. And God ended up allowing them to go into exile. Assyria taking the northern kingdom out and Babylon a couple hundred years later taking the southern kingdom out into exile. Prisoners. And so at the back end of being a prisoner in Babylon, the southern kingdom some hundreds of years after all these mistakes and now taken out and being there a prisoner for some decades of years is now being allowed to come back to Jerusalem and it's a train wreck. And so 
Ezra comes back first and he's like, hey, my job is to make sure you guys understand the word of God. We got to start following our God again. And he spends about 14 years trying to train them up, 12 to 14 years, getting them ready to go on the word of God, the law of God, what it all says. And on the back end of that, Nehemiah now hears the walls are broken down. It's a complete train wreck. And so Nehemiah comes in to be able to build the walls. They end up starting to put the walls together and the walls go up fast. God's a part of this in a huge way. The walls go up in 52 days. Everybody say that's fast. The reason I did that is because you and I would be like, how long should it take to build that much wall? Like, I don't know. How many people? How long? Right? 52 days. It was really fast. In fact, so fast that it got all the nations around them worried There must be a God involved in this. There's no way it should have gone that well. And they're protecting along the way and they're they're basically celebrating that they are now back out of exile. They are in Jerusalem. They are ready to hear of the law and they're listening to Ezra over the years. They now have the wall built up. The things are starting to come back together and the people are excited. That's where we pick it up today, Nehemiah chapter 8. Okay, here we go. Starting in verse 1, and all the people gathered as one. That's probably something around 30 to 50,000 people they surmise based on some of what was said. And all the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. Notice it says, and all the people gathered together and told Ezra. What it does not say. And Ezra thought this would be a genius idea, so he got all the people together. It doesn't say that. This is a movement of the people grasping that they need to get right with God. This is a very real celebration going on. And they cry out to the priest and say, why don't you bring down the law? Let's go through that thing. Can you imagine being that priest? Hearing the people fired up to be able to hear of the law? And they rallied in front of the water gate, it says there. That's not the water gate you think of when you think of that. This is where they would have gone out of Jerusalem and grabbed some water and gone back in. So there was a little gate that they had there down on the southern part by the spring so they could go in and out and get their water throughout a day, all right? And they ended up building it up pretty heavily because people needed water a lot. There was a lot of going in and out. And so the water gate spoke to provision But Watergate, also it spoke to some purifying that was going on. They would go over to the Watergate and there would be a time of celebration and purifying. The people are rallying at the Watergate, thanking God for the provision that he's made. And they're getting ready to celebrate a purification of the nation. They're like, let's go ahead and call Ezra the scribe and have him bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. They're like, we're listening, God. We're excited to hear from you. Man, I'm telling you, each and every week as we rally together, may we be like the nation of Israel that says, Lord, we're listening. What do I need to hear from you in your word? What needs to change? What needs to go? Where can I honor you? God, I'm ready to hear from you. And it is so easy in the business of our week to come in extremely distracted and not be thinking, God, what do you want me to hear? May we get ready to respond to the command of our king. It says, so Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women and all who could understand what they heard. 
think it'd be fair to say, do you think? Like they come up and they're like pounding on the door, boom, boom, boom. Hey, Ezra, we have uh, 30,000 people have rallied together and they'd love for you to bring the law. I'm kind of busy. Right? Do you think the priest would respond that way at all? Answer, no way. He's like, what? Are you serious? This celebration is going that unhooked? Absolutely I'm in. He grabs the law. You have to remember the law, Torah, it was written on scrolls. So you have to put these rolls, these scrolls under. It's not easy to carry. It takes a number of people. And so now you're carrying these scrolls out as you're getting in front of the people and you're getting set to go after it. And Ezra is fired up to say, let's walk through what God has to say. Let's be obedient. And let's respond to all that God is. Notice they gathered together the men, the women, and all who could understand what they heard. You know, I love that model. When you start talking about uh, rallying people into this room, like we have kind of junior high and up in here on a regular basis. Junior high and up is who meets in here. Why? Because we try to speak in a way where we bring an example and communicate where a junior higher all the way up can grasp what's being said, right? And the men and the women and all who could understand rally together. And this is what we're talking about. Like beginning to bring together all who could grasp the basics of what's being said. And so families with older kids started to rally in there along with men and women, and they were listening and grasping what was being said. It says, on the first day of the seventh month, on the first day of the seventh month. Now, some of you may remember back to when we talked about the feasts a year ago in September, and there were actually seven different feasts, right? The first three were all about Jesus' first coming his death, burial, and resurrection. And there was a celebration of the Messiah that would come to fulfill those things. The fourth one was about the Holy Spirit coming and launching the church. The last three are all about Jesus' second coming, which hadn't yet happened then, still hasn't happened yet today. Second coming still to come. The last three of the seven feasts are celebrating a future moment in total, in completion. It'll come in the future. But God loves to be able to use those timings to make a statement. The first of those last ones, it's actually the fifth feast. It's on the seventh month, the first day. Notice it's exactly this day. Everybody say God has a plan. God knows exactly what he's doing. And that feast was all about the in-gathering. It's called the Feast of Trumpets. It's about the celebration of God bringing in all of his people and declaring out who he is and a holiness coming forth. It's an in-gathering feast. It's a celebration. And there's going to be a massive in-gathering feast that's going to come at the end of the tribulation as he calls in finally once and for all, all of those who are going to come to trust in him, a massive in-gathering call. This is the beginnings of it. This is a, if you will, a kind of a trial run of it as he's calling together some of those who are a part of Israel and he's bringing an in-gathering on the seventh month and the first day. They happened to get there exactly on the day that it was supposed to be celebrated. What a coincidence. Not at all. God knows exactly what he's doing. And so on the first day of the seventh month, they arrived. Man, this is a big deal. Everybody say it's a big deal. 
Don't miss it. God knows exactly what he's doing. And when he started them some 52 days earlier building the wall, he knew exactly what he was doing. It didn't take 59 days. It didn't take 63 days. It didn't take 113 days to build the wall. It took 52 and it ended so that the next day was the seventh month, first day in gathering call. I've already set up a feast on this day. Get ready to celebrate. God has a plan. And man, I'm telling you, I love to see how God does that even in this place and in this space as he moves mightily. God knows exactly what he's doing as he prepares our heart with experiences throughout the week to get us prepped so that we can hear the word and respond to the word. This past week, uh, I went to a conference. My wife and I went along with Pastor Mike and Pastor Steve. And uh, Mike Klopfenstein and Steve McGinnis uh, joined us, and the four of us went up to a conference in Toronto, Canada. And uh, so we joined up there with this conference. It was actually, it's called Stand Firm. It's a prayer conference, but then it had a number of churches who uh, in their past experience had been a harvest along like us. So there was a lot of uh, names and faces we had seen uh, that we were able to connect with. And just a sweet time of being able to hear there and connect and uh, smile and laugh with and catch up on stories. I actually was asked to speak at a workshop there. So I was speaking on preaching and uh, somewhat like what we're walking through today and just being able to share what the theological import of preaching is. Very simply, God moves when the power of God and the word of God work through the man of God. Like that was the workshop as we talked through biblically what does that look like and it was a sweet opportunity to be able to share there. Just a, a, an unbelievable time of worship. The message was so simple. Man, may we be humble. And the more humble we are, the more God moves. Man, may we grasp that in the middle of suffering and struggle, God works. May we allow him to have his way with us. And may we suffer well, and may we be humble along the way. Awesome. And a huge celebration time. We didn't know that God had a little bit of a lesson plan for us to learn what that meant in a very vivid fashion on the way home. So we got to the airport and we're like getting ready to go and uh, actually we all climbed in the plane and you're kind of like in like sardines and as we're all piled in they get on and they're like, uh, we just want to let you know that the pilot is currently stuck in Toronto traffic. What are we going to do about that? We're all in the plane, man. Like what's the plan? And, and so as we sat there, they began to update us kind of regularly on how close he was getting. but we're humble <laughs> and we're cool. So we're just chit-chatting and we're being lighthearted about it all and it's okay, it's just a little bit of suffering. It's first world suffering, you know? Like my plane pilot was a little late, like it's not a big deal. And, and so we're just relaxing. He finally got there, he's rushing through the gate, he gets in and uh, we end up getting up in the air about, I don't even remember what, a half hour, 45 minutes late. And uh, so we get up in the air, not a big deal because our flight was uh, quite a bit different in time when we land down here to be able to catch the flight down to Peoria. So we had some time. So we land down there, we're sitting on the tarmac, and now we're watching plane after plane drive in front of us, drive in front of us as we're sitting on the tarmac, as each plane is driving in front of us, and we're sitting on the tarmac. But it's cool, man. We're being humble. Everything's fine, right? 
everything's good. And so then we took, I don't even remember what, 15, 20, 30 minutes, whatever it was, we finally got over to the uh, place where you get out. We got off, we went over, we had some time, so we grabbed some food. We ended up getting a nice little meal there and uh, sitting down and uh, waiting, waited another I don't know, hour and a half or so for our plane. Uh, it was a 9.30 flight out coming down to Peoria. And then they announced at 9 o'clock, we're supposed to be boarding. They get on, I just want to announce for the Peoria flight. It has been canceled. <laughs> and they're like, uh, you will be able to pick this flight up at 8 a.m. tomorrow morning. You can get a voucher for a hotel over at customer service. And we're like, great, now what? So we start talking it through, let's figure it out, and, and as we're walking over to customer service, I'm calling United, and we're trying to talk those things through. We ended up deciding, you know what, forget this, we're not going to wait till tomorrow morning and get up at 5.30 in the morning to get over here so we can get through all that, so we're not doing that. Let's just get a car and go home. And so uh, I was actually on the way home, Pastor Mike and John and me, Pastor Steve was staying a little longer uh, up in Toronto for some things, so the three of us decided we're road tripping it. Planes trains and automobiles. Here we go, right? And uh, God willing, no trains, please Lord, right? And uh, so we jump in a car and uh, we end up taking that car. It's probably about 10.45, maybe 11 o'clock by the time we were getting out of there at night. We ended up getting home at a great time. Like, we really were getting here ahead of weather. It wasn't a big deal. We're being able to chat and catch up. And we got here about, I don't know, 1.15, 1.30, we couldn't get our luggage. There was a little deal with that. They're like, just so you know, if you want your luggage, it'll probably be another two hours here. And we're like, forget that. We'll be in Peoria by then. So let's just leave it. It'll come on the plane tomorrow, right? Okay, great. So we get home. We get here ahead of the weather. This was Wednesday night. Y'all remember what was happening then, right? And so then we had the big snow that started coming in and all that stuff. And, and it got pretty heavy duty with the ice. And by the time we got ready to come over to pick up our luggage from the 8 a.m. flight that was supposed to be coming in the next day, canceled. <laughs> going to be noon, canceled. They ended up telling us it was going to be the 7.30 or 8 o'clock at night flight that was going to get in, delayed, 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 delayed. Pastor Mike finally got over there about 10 o'clock at night to pick it up. Turns out it had gotten there sometime earlier. We don't know when. There was a mystery time that our luggage arrived, but he was able to get it there. First, though, had to go take the rental car back and fill the flat tire up. It just keeps going on and on, right? And it was just one of those humorous moments where God's like, I'm telling you, just work with me. Sometimes it gets a little tough. Humble, humble, humble. Be cool. And who knows what God was doing? Maybe that plane was going to have some really bad problems in the air. I don't even want to say the bad words, right? Who knows what God was protecting us from? Maybe we needed to talk about some of the things that we chatted and laughed about. Maybe we just need to learn to be cool under pressure. Whatever it is, God always seems to have something for us. And all of God's people said, simple question, what's been going on in your life, in your family this week that's beginning to put you under a little stress? What is it that God's beginning to use to be able to bring you across so that you can hear from him? Israel was going through exile. Our plane was delayed. Praise God for the small. But God uses all kinds of things to be able to shape our hearts and wake us up to what we need to hear from him. As we enter this room every single Sunday, know this, God uses all 
that's going on in your life to get you set and prepped to be able to hear from him. Allow the Holy Spirit to be able to move in your lives, in timing and in content. And all of God's people said, all right. Point number two, call all to worship through a transforming time in the word. Call all to worship through a transforming time in the word. It says, and he, Ezra, read from it, facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday. This is like five to six hours of reading of the law going on. He's bringing it. He brought his Torah, the scrolls, he unrolls them, and he starts reading for six hours in Hebrew, bringing it to the people as they are standing out by the water gate, hearing it, and uh, reading until midday in the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand. That is a really important phrase. He repeats it multiple times. It's really important we grasp. He wants all who can grasp to be in earshot. And all of God's people said, may we gather together to hear from our Lord. It says, and he had all those who could understand, and the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And the ears of all the people were attentive. They were paying attention. They were listening. They were grasping. They were hearing. They were listening to the words along the way. They weren't sitting back and thinking, wonder how much longer he's going to keep reading. They weren't sitting back and thinking, how am I supposed to make bread for this evening for the family when I'm here this morning? They weren't thinking through the details of trying to prep for the rest of life. They were literally saying, God, what do you have for me? And as we go into a preach boldly, passionate moment, may we long to hear from our God. The Holy Spirit speaking in this moment as you personally are hearing from him an area of your life that you know you need to be affirmed in, encouraged in, challenged in, may God get the glory. Lord, I'm attentive to what you have to say. It says, attentive to the book of law. And Ezra the scribe stood on a wooden platform that they had made for that purpose. They had made a wooden platform so that he could stand up on it and it could literally be able to project out over the people so that they could hear him. They had set up a stage of sorts, if you will, for the purpose of being able to hear the reading of Scripture. And then we have some people that who hung with him. It says, And beside him stood Mattathiah, Shema, Aeneah, Uriah, Hilkiah, Messiah, and on his right hand, and Padeah, Mishael, Malkijah, Hashem, Hashbadana, Zechariah, and Meshulam on his left hand. Right? Those are some great baby names, right? <laughs> what are you doing with your kid's name? What are you going to name him? Hashbadana. Sweet. That is a power name right there, right? And, uh, these are some great names, 13 guys standing to his right and to his left, seven on one, six on the other, and they're standing there saying, what Ezra is reading, we back and we are with him. Man, I'm telling you, the ministry of preaching God's word is not one man, one person, and that's the end of it. 
It is a massive partnership and team as we go after it together. And here he's got 13 guys backing and standing with along the way. It says, And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. He says, listen, he is actually being able to be in the sight of all the people. It would be very legit if you picture something that's very flat and everybody is standing and then he opens it up for you to say, how did they see him? Because he's not standing amongst them. Have you ever noticed like at the end of the service, I go up on the stage to say the last 30 seconds of statements? Do you know why? Because I'm not seven foot one. (laughs) So when you stand and I'm standing down here, you can't see me anymore. So I go up on the stage to be able to be seen as we project out. And yet I'm down here. Why am I down here when we preach? I'm right here among you. Have you ever noticed that while I'm right here among you, we have cameras up that actually zoom in uh, and we use these image magnification cameras for a reason, so that you can see me. There's nothing wrong with being able to make the person speaking be seen. And all of God's people said. And so he put a stage up to be able to get up above it so that as he projected out, they could see him opening up the word and reading it. Man, we have a little bit more technology today so we can do some things. We can ramp the floor. We can put some image magnification. But may God be able to help you to see that this is coming from his word and we're serious about what we're saying. May God get all the glory. That's what's going on. And uh, just to be clear, it's not like what's being read here. It says this is the only way that things can be done along the way, right? This is descriptive in nature. It's a description of what's going on, but it's great that we can learn from it and be able to execute in on it. And he's like, just so you know, you have all these people standing by, and he's standing up on the stage above so the people could hear. And as he opened it, all the people stood The power of standing in worship to say we are worshiping our God and that's why we're here. Have you ever thought, why do we stand during worship? There's reasons for it. To be able to say, God, I'm giving you full attention. And uh, as he's going to read the word now, they're showing some level of respect. We actually ask that each person tries to get a copy of the Bible and be able to put it in their hand. And so we can show respect as we read through and go through it together. May God get all the glory. It says, And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, Amen, Amen. Ezra blessed the Lord. Imagine what that looked like. As he stands up in front of the people, scrolls everywhere, right? He sets them out, rolls it up. Before we get to reading... We're going to bless our God who has brought us back to this place. We were in sin and God pulled us out in exile, but he has returned us home. We are learning his law and the walls are being built. Let's pray to our God. Oh, great God, you who forgives, you are awesome. You are restoring, you are in charge and your promise is being made full. And they are crying out, amen. Amen. Man, this place is coming unglued with worship from the first moment of prayer. May we come in expectant 
of worship with our God, ready to cry it out. Lord God, I'm with that. Amen. Ready to bring an applause in the middle of worship if that's what it is. Like, Lord God, may you get the glory. This place on fire. It says, lifting up their hands. Lifting up their hands. Have you ever wondered why people lift up their hands? Like, what's going on with that? And maybe you were born and raised in a very traditional environment. I know I was, right? And uh, the joke statement, the only time you lift up your hand is if you have a question, right? And uh, like, I was born and raised in a very traditional church. You did not raise your hands, right? And so really, it took a little bit of time for me to get used to saying, God, it is all of me here for all of you. And, And it isn't what somebody else thinks of me. It's that you understand that I'm all in. And it's a huge deal to be able to raise our hands up, to be able to say, Lord God, I'm receiving from you. That's one of the elements of raising our hand. Like I'm receiving, you see the hands up, like whatever you're gonna give, I'm, I'm ready to take it, Lord. I'm receiving or, or, or I'm agreeing with you. Yes, so true, Lord. And being able to agree with and maybe it's even I'm with that or, or point, Lord, yes, I'm agreeing with that. And being able to celebrate your God and and offering all of you up. You're like, Lord, take me. I'm here. And it is a huge power moment to be able to take a little bit of time to put your body in a posture that says, I'm in. I'm in, God. May you get the glory. I'm ready to receive. I am ready to agree. And I'm offering myself up fully. Holy, holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty. And all of God's people said, huge deal. Massive moment of celebration. It says, and they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. They literally put their bodies in a posture that said, you're in charge. Man, whenever you are going to your private time worship, whenever you are in a prayer time worship in here, whenever you are in impact group, wherever you're at, make sure that you are allowing your body posture to reflect where you stand. Maybe it's just simple like putting your hands open on your uh, lap and you're just like, Lord, I'm, 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 I'm giving myself to you. I'm here. I'm offering me up. I'm receiving from you. Maybe it's something like that. Maybe you are like, I have to get more demonstrative. I am trying to hide too much. Lord, I'm giving all of me. And you're like raising your hands high in the air. Man, let your posture reflect your worship. It will change your worship. I'm telling you, it'll change your worship. When you put your posture mirroring what your heart is trying to say, all of you goes in as you hand yourself to him and you let God Get the glory. Huge deal. You know, week after week, we go after messages here. I plan a 52-week preaching calendar. So I'm planning over the summer, like, Lord, what do you have in store for us? How would you have us to walk through this year? And, and part of that prayer time is, Lord, I long to be in alignment with you. If something needs to change, Lord, may I change that then along the way. But Lord, what do you have in store? And we set up a 52-week calendar from basically the uh, late August time frame all the way to the next August, going after it. And it's amazing how many times God has aligned something in that prep time in alignment with what's going on around us 
so that we can go after a worship together. And uh, it's amazing how many times we set something like that up and then God moves into one of your lives and he begins to walk in a certain way at a certain time on a certain week so that as you walk into this place devastated with something, questioning something, longing to hear something, the passage for that week God has set up months in advance and he's walking you in, preparing you, saying, heads up. I'm right here with you. Man, there is nothing more powerful than that. This is not somehow I have to get it all right. This is God is so working and so timing and so aligning. I can't tell you how many times I've had somebody come down front, been here like first week, second week. This is my first time here. And I cannot believe the topic of today and what I needed to hear. Tears coming down their eyes as they're like, that truth has rocked my world today. I'm so happy God brought me here today. Everybody say, God has a plan. He does. He calls us to worship as we take time in his word. May we grasp and understand that God is timing it, that God is working in our souls And that God is calling us to a tangible, powerful moment where we learn from him and his word. May God get all the glory. Simple question. Are you willing to come under his word? Are you willing to sit back and say, your timing, your challenge, your encouragement, I'm under. Are you willing to be dependent upon God and his word and give him a full response of I'm in. Man, I'm telling you, when we preach boldly the gospel, the truth of Jesus Christ, please hear me. This is so not just about words that get said from the front. It is so about each and every one of us putting our heart and soul on the line and saying, God, I'm in. I'm in. And let's just tell God right now, right where you are, I'm in. Just with all the volume you got, I'm in. Louder and bigger, I'm in. That is coming to God's word expectant. As you open it up in the morning for devotions, I'm in. Teach me, Lord. I'm ready to hear from you. May God get the glory. All right? Point number three, read whole passages and clearly explain and apply them. Read whole passages and clearly explain and apply them. Man, there's a lot of different ways to use the word. You notice how we do it. We walk through a passage, we read part, we explain it. We read it, we explain it. Take a look at what's happening as Ezra is rallying together with Nehemiah and all of the people. It says here as we start in the next section, and Joshua... Is a, here we go with some names again, right? Joshua, Benny, Sherebiah, Jamin, Akub, Shabbatai, Hodiah, Messiah, Kedida, Azariah, Josabad, Hanan, Peleah, the Levites. These are people who know God's word and they're people who know how to explain it. 
Levite priests who have rallied together. It says, while the people remained in their places, they read from the book, from the law of God clearly. There is Ezra reading over the front, over the top of them, as he reads kind of a large piece. Here's what it says. And then the Levite priests began to break it down. You know why? Because they didn't have microphones. They didn't have this electronic stuff where all of a sudden you can speak and 30,000 people can hear. So they took Levite priests and they spread them out. And these guys took groups, maybe 50, 100, 150, 200, it doesn't say, but enough where they could talk. And they're like, everybody rally in, rally in. Here's what it says. And they would read it and then they would explain it. They would read it clearly. Make sure God's word is read. And all of God's people said, Please be careful. Churches that begin to speak about God's word, but not speak God's word, are missing it. Make sure that we clearly read God's word and then explain it out. It says, read it clearly, making sure that they're being able to hear it. And then it says, and they gave the sense of it to literally be able to explain out what it means and how they could grasp it. By the way, did you hear what I just did? That's giving the sense of it. It says they gave the sense of it. Like they used other words and they explained it so the people could grasp it. That's giving the sense of it. Man, I'm telling you, as you go through your devotions in the morning, this is a great way to walk it. You open it up, you read it through once. So you've got the passage. And then you begin to read a piece of it and you give the sense of it. What is this saying? What does this mean? Put it in your own words. Use your vocabulary. There are some who have vocabulary that's very lofty. And then there are some who have vocabulary that's very basic. I don't know if you noticed, but a lot of times around here, I'll use the really basic, and then every once in a while, I'll throw in the, here's a 99-cent word, and we use the bigger. Like, let's keep it going where we all can learn and grow. But for you at home, you can be able to say literally, like, how would I put this in my words? And be able to give a clear sense of it. What does this mean? What is this saying? What does that imply for me? It was read clearly and they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. The goal is not to read the word like all of a sudden there's just magic in the words being read. The goal is in the understanding. Everybody say it's in the understanding. May we walk through God's word, grasping God's word. And all of God's people said, all right. That said, here's a couple of passages that go along with this kind of passage to support it. It's not just Nehemiah 8. 2 Timothy 4.2 says, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Proclaim it. That word preach there is the Greek word caruso. It means literally to stand up and say, this is what God says. Be willing to preach the word. Don't stand up and suggest it. It doesn't say this. I was looking at it, and I don't know. I kind of think maybe, I was thinking this, and I mean, you know, you can have your opinion, but here's, here's what I was thinking. Not that. Here's what God's word says. Proclaim it. And that's our job as a church to make sure we're bringing a preach, a proclamation of God's truth. Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is living and active. There is something the Holy Spirit does with the very words of God to reveal out our heart so that we begin to grasp what we need to go after. 
that we can be rocked by his word. There is power in getting in the word. Massive worship comes through it. And uh, the kind of results that they ended up having. Let's just bounce through a couple of verses here real quickly. Look at chapter 8, verse 9. It says, And Nehemiah, who was governor, and Ezra the priest, and the scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept as they had heard the words of the law. The law being read and they're beginning to realize we're not doing it. And there's a response of weeping that was coming. Tears coming down their eyes as they're like, Lord God, forgive us. Have you ever been in one of those moments? where you're beginning to hear God's word taught or preached and you're like, I'm not doing that. Lord, I, I, I'm wrong on this. Please forgive me. And, and all of a sudden, the tears are welling up as you realize you're not letting go. Or verse 14, it says, and they found it written. And, and then later on, it says, so the people went out and they did it. They literally are finding what it says and they're going after it in total. They're being complete in what they're seeing and doing and going after. Verse 14 says, and they found it written that they should dwell in booths, the Feast of Tabernacles. Do you remember that from last week? The Feast of Booths or the Feast of Tabernacles. This is the celebration. It's the seventh feast that celebrates God with us. And it gets ready. It comes up just a couple of weeks later from the seventh month, first day. So as they're beginning to pour through the word, they're like, get ready. This is a whole month of celebration. We got to get on this. And in chapter 9, verse 1, it says, In sackcloth with earth on their foreheads, it says they separated and they stood and they confessed their sin. From the first month, or from the seventh month to the first day to the tenth day, those ten days, the scripture and the law calls out confession of sin. They're getting real what God's word says. Lord, please forgive me. The 10th day is Yom Kippur, the day of atonement as they begin to celebrate God having a solution of forgiveness in their lives. Lord, forgive me. And they're responding with all they've got. Man, as we go after God's word, may we hear clearly. May we grasp and understand the sense of it with all we have. And may we respond with our hearts saying, Lord, I am in. And all of God's people said, may God's word speak to our soul as the Holy Spirit moves. Don't miss it. Every week we will preach boldly of what God's word says. May the spirit stir our souls.